Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, running a small estate agency in southwest London, southwest 16 Norbury between Streatham and Croydon. And every week I look to bring you the latest headlines and the news from the coalface, how the market is, what the market sentiment is and what's happening out there on the streets. So how are you? I hope you're well. Uh, This week I'm going to go through a few things. We're going to talk a little bit about the Renters Reform Act because it's a question that's coming up a lot. Uh, We're going to talk about evictions and also the latest property headlines. As far as the market's concerned, surprisingly busy. I say surprising. Well, when the sun's out, the property market's always busier. And you have to remember there is always a market, contrary to what you might hear on the news. The news is always giving you, or the uh, the tabloids particularly, always giving you the sensational news. You know, property prices have dropped by 20% and this kind of thing, which is totally untrue in my experience right now. Property prices have fallen off. They started to fall about a year ago, and they fell off by about 5%, and they've been pretty steady ever since. That may surprise a lot of people. It certainly surprised us. The resilience of the property market is uh, incredible over the last few years. If you think back to COVID, when everybody said that the market would fall off a cliff, and what happened? Exactly the opposite. Prices actually rose, particularly outside of London, where people were telecommuting rather than having to get into the city. And then come the end of the pandemic, what we experienced was a wave of people looking to come back into the city. And then rental particularly got really busy for that reason. And now what we're finding is that the rental market is so saturated and there are so many people looking. On top of that, we have the extra costs for landlords, particularly interest rate rises that have led to them increasing the rents. And therefore, many people that were originally looking to rent are now for are now therefore flipping that and looking for properties to buy. So the property market for the flats that was dead is now much busier. So uh, really strange turn of events, but that's what the property market does. Never ceases to amaze and surprise. Let's get into the headlines for this week. It's June the 16th, Friday, and a lovely sunny day here in southwest London, actually. The Nationwide. And the nationwide are always good uh, weather vane, really, for the property market because they are still a building society as opposed to a bank. So they are obliged to return profits to their members. Um, so they're always a good yardstick of what's actually going on, whereas some of the others, obviously, banks are private institutions and they uh, are, well, PLCs, in fact, but they are obliged, therefore, to work for their shareholders. So nationwide are always a good one to look at. And the BBC News and the Daily Telegraph report that they will raise rates today on their fixed rate mortgages for the third time in three weeks. And the building society will increase its fixed rates by 0.7 percentage points, meaning the typical cost of a five-year fix for a borrower with 25% deposit will increase by £800 a year. Nationwide spokesman said the changes are in line with the movement in swap rates and ensure that as a building society, we can continue lending to all types of borrowers. Meanwhile, NatWest has announced increases of 0.28 percentage points, just over a quarter of one point for new business mortgages and up to 0.45 percentage points on its remortgage deals. And then we have Clydesdale Bank withdrawing deals via brokers owing to high demand. And the money facts analysis shows the average rate on a two year fixed rate has risen from 5.34 percent to 5.92 percent in the last three weeks. A separate report from UK Finance shows that mortgage repayments on new loans made up 20.4% of borrowers' incomes on average between January and April. This is up from just under 17% in 2020. 
Well, what can we make from that? Well, the first thing is, of course, it's more expensive out there to get loans. And the swap rates, remember, this is the, these are the most important rates in the UK for mortgage borrowers because this is the rates on which mortgages are based and where the building sizes banks get their money from. So these swap rates are very important, although you may not have heard of them. And they are carried out by the money markets. And the money markets work out what they think will happen with interest rates. And it was widely felt that interest rates were at the peak of their cycle and they were likely to drop off uh, just about now, actually, the middle of the year, July. And now it's widely felt that because inflation has been so stubborn, fuel inflation has, of course, fallen, but food inflation is still very high, that interest rates may have to rise one or two or three or four even four times up to about another one percent seems to be the common consensus but having said that the monetary policy committee which actually meets next week and that will be a really interesting meeting 22nd of july they meet and at the last mpc meeting two of the members voted against the rise in rates so there is still a chance that rates will hold that's the best we can hope for. We're not expecting any fall in rates, unfortunately, but it may well be that they hold. And this is why you've seen so many uh, headlines you may have seen over the past week of lenders withdrawing deals because the swap rates have been so volatile. The article in the I reports that homeowners are turning their back on Tories as interest rates rise. Uh, homeowners are turning away from the Conservative Party due to high interest rates on their mortgages, according to a poll. The survey of over 2,000 households found 44% of mortgage holders would vote for Labour if an election were held tomorrow, up from 33% in 2019. Just 29% of mortgage holders would vote for the Conservatives. Well, that's a real turnaround, isn't it? It was always felt that the mortgage holders would be the Tory voters. And now, when fortunes have changed a bit, it seems it's going the other way. An article in the Times predicts that, uh, sorry, it doesn't predict, but states that Bellway has forecast a fall in volumes this year uh, as the cost of living, living pressures accumulate. Now, the reason this is frustrating is because big builders are really the lifeblood of new stock to the market. And when they're not building, those affordable, even though they're not affordable, but as affordable as affordable can be, um, tend to be not built. And when they're not built, there's even more pressure. And this is one of the reasons why house prices have been so strong, even given the difficult backdrop, is that there's just not the supply. And especially here in London, where people still need to come in, they still need to work. It's terrible trying to find accommodation. Literally, we're still advertising properties and finding that those properties are gone within a day. Next article in the Times, councils warn deeper developer infrastructure levy will lead to fewer homes being built. Government's plans to make developers build more houses and GP surgeries will actually result in fewer homes being delivered. The businesses have warned uh, the coalition has urged ministers to scrap plans for an infrastructure levy on new developments. The problem with this, of course, is that this increases costs on the build site in the first place and therefore the whole um, viability of the plans are put into jeopardy for that reason. Young adults are choosing to live with their parents due to the housing shortages. Almost 105,000 young adults have opted to live with their parents instead of renting due to a chronic shortage of housing, according to a study by Hamptons. The buy-to-let crisis has also contributed to the trend, with the number of first-time tenants falling from 6.1% in 2015 to 4.6% in the first five months of 2019. 
Hamptons estimates young adults living at home will save an average of £12,000 this year. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? £12,000 saving, but you could see why. And uh, it's sad, though. You know, young people should be able to go out and spread their wings. But unfortunately, it's really tough in London, especially. And construction, BBC News says that the UK has seen a fivefold increase in company closures during the pandemic. And of course, this is right across the board, but particularly the retail, hospitality and construction industries. And of course, construction industry causing more problems with a lack of build where they're going bust. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Renters Reform Act. And I'm going to go through the main points of it, because this is a question that's coming up again and again. And um, we're going to go through the main points and hopefully... It will help you. The bullet points we've got are number one, the abolishment of the Section 21 or no fault evictions. Now, of course, Section 21 is the ground upon which most landlords relied upon when evicting tenants. Why? Because it's mandatory. Uh, That means that when it gets to court, if it's proven that it was served in the correct fashion, along with the correct documentation, then the courts are obliged to provide possession to the landlord. And this is why it's used. So often you might find that a tenant has been unreliable with rents, perhaps, but doesn't quite meet the threshold of eight weeks or more rent in arrears, both at the point of the service of notice and at the hearing. This would be a Section 8, Ground 8 um, mandatory possession. Then the Section 21 has been a good fallback for landlords. But it's going. There's no doubt it's going because... I think more than anything else, to be frank, it's a good soundbite. I don't think it makes much practical difference. But nonetheless, it will be seen. The government will no doubt say that they're the champion of the tenant because they brought this in. It does have cross party support and it is going through the Houses of Parliament at the moment. So we can expect to see it come into law. I think probably 18 months or so. I don't think it's going to come any sooner than that, but it could come as soon as 12 months. So uh, what have we got on it? What it says is that Section 21 means that landlords will now be required to provide specific reasons for evicting a tenant. And that will mean taking the case to court and using other grounds outside of the Section 21. It will be interesting because at the moment, what we're finding is that lots of landlords are serving notes on their tenant while they still can. Because, of course, once it becomes law, then you'll no longer be able to serve on that ground. And if you have a tenant that's in any way troublesome, then it might be the right time now to serve that notice. The second thing the bill does, as well as abolishment of the Section 21 notices, it's the rolling tenancies. Now, this is a sea change, whereas at the moment we can do fixed term tenancies for any length of time, really, although six months is the minimum that a tenant can stay in a property if they choose to, even if the agreement is for a shorter time. So a short shot holder for a minimum of six months, really, in practical terms. Uh, But the bill has made some key changes to tenancy agreements. The main thing is that the tenants will sign open-ended tenancies. So short-term fixed contracts are not available anymore. There will be grounds, obviously, to get people out, and we'll come on to those. Rent increase periods, these will double. Now, this is not a big deal, and I think it's actually fair enough. At the moment, a landlord has to give uh, at least one month notice to a tenant, and In future, they'll have to give them two months notice to increase the rent. That seems perfectly reasonable to me. I don't have any issue with that. There will be new eviction powers for rental arrears and antisocial behaviour as well. And it should make it easier for landlords to evict tenants on antisocial basis um, and give them time to repossess. But it's not going to be anywhere near the Section 21 type uh, mandatory, no doubt. But it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. We need to hear more about that. 
Landlords are unable to unreasonably refuse pets in properties. Well, they will unreasonably not be allowed to unreasonably refuse to allow tenants to keep pets. Some investors will be comfortable with this, some won't. But 88% of landlords have incurred damage to their properties from pets. Uh, we believe that landlords will still be able to insist on pet insurance. And that's really important because pet damage insurance, that is for the actual property. Um, and this is going to be an important thing because what we find is that, yes, pets can cause damage. Uh, and as much as we are pet lovers and never refuse a tenant on the grounds of a pet, if it's practical and by practical, I mean, if you've got a dog, in my view, you need a garden. You shouldn't be keeping a dog if you don't have a garden. That's just a personal view. Um, and also, you know, we like to see pets cared for. So if someone's going to be out work all day and they leave a, a particular dog on their own, it can bark all day and cause huge antisocial behavior problems. And it's, you know, this is the kind of thing that landlords worry about. And rightly so. There's going to be a landlord portal as well. And this portal is going to be there to protect tenants because uh, they can review landlords for other tenants to see. Unfortunately, it doesn't go the other way and allow landlords to review tenants because if it did, it would be very helpful indeed. Uh, but tenants will be able to see a landlord's letting history and score a landlord. Um, along with this portal, no doubt there'll be costs to you, the landlord. We haven't heard about that yet, but I've no doubt that that's coming. Um, hopefully as well, what I'd really like to see with a landlord portal, if we're registering landlords nationally across the UK, then these local licensing schemes must be done away with. Otherwise, the duplication of effort there is absolutely crazy and unnecessary. And yet another reason why you're going to push landlords out of the sector. So for me, Landlord portal, yes, but these local licensing schemes, no. There's a new property ombudsman. There'll be a single ombudsman that will be introduced to settle disputes between landlords and tenants outside of the court system. Well, landlords were letting agents already have the system. So as an agent, I can tell you that it doesn't really make any difference to us, but it would extend to private landlords. So private landlords will need to get used to the idea that there's another policeman in town uh, that can look at tenant issues. Uh, outside of the court system. Repeated rental arrears will be grounds for eviction. Now, this is one thing that does strengthen landlords' rights, and I quite like this. It's what we call the three strikes rule. And currently, landlords struggling with a loophole that allows tenants to avoid eviction based on arrears, provided they pay just prior to the hearing, can cause financial uncertainty. And, you know, landlords trying to repossess their property, it's a real frustration. The rule at the moment is that if you have eight weeks or more rent outstanding at the point of service of the notice and eight weeks or more rent outstanding at the point of the hearing, then you can obtain possession. The new bill is attempting to address this by, say, giving a three strikes and you're out rule. In other words, I believe it's going to be if you've had three separate times of rent arrears within the last three years, then a landlord can use that as a mandatory ground. We'll have to see how that is in reality when there's more detail available. The decent home standard, which only applies to social housing, will be extended to the private rental sector. And the standard sets out to ensure all tenants have access to safe and quality and comfortable homes. So and then we've got number. The last one is no bans on tenants or benefits for families. Uh, it will make it illegal for landlords and letting agents to apply a blanket ban on tenants or benefits to families with children. Now, as far as the uh, that's concerned, obviously, with the amount of tenants available, landlords will have a large number of applications and 
at the moment, as far as I can see, there's nothing to force them taking a tenant that has particularly a family or particularly a pet. They'll still be able to choose regardless of this legislation from what I can see. Um, so I think in, in all, the document doesn't look too bad. But where it really struggles is that we're not doing anything for the court system. And this is the big problem, is that in my view, the court system is the problem. And the whole idea of this was that there would be a streamlined court system. So there would be a balance for landlords. And um, Dutton Gregory have just written an article in Landlord Today. And I thought it was actually quite correct in what she was saying. And she's really venting her frustration with the court system. And here's what it says. A seasoned property lawyer who specialised in residential landlord and tenant law for 22 years says she is embarrassed at the current state of the court system. Gina Peters, head of landlord and tenant department at Dutton Gregory. Now, Dutton Gregory are a very good firm. They actually run our advice line for our professional association, so we do know them to be a, a very good firm. In a critique of the Renters Reform Bill, she writes, where is the pledged investment in our court system? The government has shied away from creating a housing court. Never in my 27 years as a lawyer have I felt more embarrassed by the delays and unhelpful decisions produced by the courts. Um, she goes on to say, with the latest crisis in London courts and bailiffs requiring more personal protection equipment before carrying out evictions, the average landlord will be waiting even longer. With significant arrears when the order was made, this particular landlord she's referring to is losing £1,500 a month. Peace is critical of other elements in the new bill as well. Whilst there's widespread support for raising the standards of private rented property, the decent home standard is notable for its omission within the bill. The latest transfer regulation and rules, however, are a step too far for some landlords. She says recently the sector has become a target for the press on the basis that a minority of landlords are causing problems for tenants in the lack of care for their properties and the people they house. And she's absolutely right there. However, rented properties create independent living for millions and contribute hugely to the British economy. So we need a piece of legislation that works for landlords, with landlords rather, rather than against them. She continues, one in five households now renting in the private sector. It's an essential part of the housing market. As the government's reduced its house building strategy for all local authorities from mandatory to advisory, with some councils scrapping targets altogether, the housing market is shrinking in relative terms. With fewer houses being built and no help to buy a scheme, more renters will be stuck in renting for longer. Meanwhile, the Renters Reform Bill, which creates a big change to the way landlords can regain possession of their properties, is being brought in at a time when some are already looking at selling their buy-to-let portfolios. There is a very real danger that this bill will be the last straw for landlords and there will be an exodus from the sector, with many more previously let properties being put up for sale. This will add to the already shrinking housing stock available to rent. And consequently, with rental properties in high demand, rents continue to surge. Well, that, that's absolutely true. And of course, for those staying in the sector, the opportunity for capital growth here is massive. But on the broader issue, I do believe that the government and the creation of what they're doing, the direction of travel on top of interest rates is creating a huge problem for themselves and the market. And I do believe that we will be heading for another housing crisis, particularly a rental crisis. And at some point, I think that the government will actually have to reverse their direction of travel, of constantly attacking landlords and actually starting to incentivise people to become landlords again. That's what I think will happen. But I think we're years away from that yet. I think we'll see such an acute problem here that in the next few years, it will have to be reversed. And the way to reverse it will be to re-incentivise the people, the very people that at the moment they're squeezing out of the market, and that's the small landlord.
If you're a small landlord and wondering what to do, well, you're not alone from what I've said already. Uh, by the same token, I believe that you've got to look at the flip side of the coin. Number one, you will start, still have ways to get back your property. Number two, the court system will take longer. So be aware, take out rental protection insurance. Number three, in the medium to long term, rents will continue to rise regardless of interest rates. So whilst interest rates are going up, I know many of you landlords out there will not be making money. Uh, but I do believe that this will change around. And I think, though this is not financial advice, that it will probably be later this year or early next year before we see the light at the end of the tunnel. So it's going to be tough between now and then. But remember, rents are still rising. So you can protect yourself if you need to by increasing the rents within reason. And um, that should work for many landlords and at least keep their heads above water. Many will not, however, with interest rates, actual practical interest rates going as high as nine or 10 percent for certain deals. It can be a real issue. And for those that can't refinance at all, well, they're going to be selling uh, bottom line and selling in a, a tricky time as well. So that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another edition. Till then, look after yourselves and your families. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production.